Sing Nian Kuai Le to everyone over here. It is Chap Go May. It is the final day of Chinese New Year. If you have spare ang pao to give out, we have got silver boxes outside. Feel free to drop them in. If not, you can do it now to 0172... Nah, just kidding. <laughs> I'm not. I'll be here. I have pockets, empty pockets. But hey, my name is Sean. I am one of the pastors in this church. I am the youth pastor of this church. And I have the privilege and the... Yeah! I help you, I help you. Yeah! And it's my privilege and my honour to lead young people um, of this church because they are just so much energy and they keep me on my toes, they keep me on my, on my everything. Lah. But, you know, today I just want to bring with, to you the Word of God um, from the Bible. We are, of course, on our Samuel series. Someone say Samuel series. Samuel. I absolutely love the book of Samuel. Um, and... If you, if you came last week, you heard Pastor Lindy share about how to be or how David was unoffended and how, sh- how we should also be unoffended. And, you know, we normally hear all the standard David stories in our lives, right? We hear the David and the Goliath. We hear the David in the cave. We hear the David and the Saul. We hear all of these stories. But today, we're going to go into... Uh, Lesser known story. Even me as a pastor, every time I do my my devotion or whatever Bible reading plan there is out there and I have to read 1 Samuel 25, I'm the type of guy that goes, I read it and I go, that's a great story, man. Okay, let's go next. But today, I am tasked to bring you one of those stories. One of those, ah, that's a great story. You know what? Keep writing these stories so that I can just breeze past them and get into the juicy stuff. But today I'm tasked to bring you from the Word of God, 1 Samuel 25. If you have your Bibles, please open them up to 1 Samuel 25. If you don't have your Bibles, whip out your phones, Google 1 Samuel 25, and it will lead you over there because it's a long story. And it's, I'm not going to go through every word of the, of the piece of Scripture because it's really long. But I do want to bring out a few things over here. It's okay, team. I got this. I have the special remote thing over here. And, you know, the book of the Bible, this book is called 1 Samuel, right? And you would think that at least the character that the book is named after would survive from 1 Samuel all the way up to 2 Samuel. But the book, this chapter starts like this. In 1 Samuel 25, now Samuel died. You would think the man would last <laughs> at least to the end of 1 Samuel 1. Um, for, to, at, the, at the end of 1 Samuel, but nope. <laughs> yeah, exactly that. The man dies. Now Samuel died and all Israel assembled and mourned for him and they buried him in, a house, in his house at Ramah. It's super interesting because you see Samuel was, he was the mediator between God and man, if you read 1 Samuel, if you've been coming to church the past few weeks, you will understand that Samuel was such a significant figure in the past few chapters, right? In, in 1 Samuel, we hear how, uh, in, in the beginning of Samuel, we hear how Hannah prays and then she gets a kid and then how Samuel gets discipled by Eli, how he hears God and then how Samuel speaks with God. He picks a king for Israel. After he picks a king for Israel, he needs to now say to Saul, say, hey, 
you're no longer gonna be king. And then he mourns for Saul. And then after he mourns for Saul, he has to pick David as the next king. And that's from 1 Samuel 1 all the way up to 1 Samuel 16. And then suddenly, Samuel kind of disappears from the whole story. Such an important figure. The, if you can say, the pastor Chew of Chew, first Chew and second Chew. He was such a, everyone looked up to him. If they wanted to hear what God was going to say, they looked, hey, let's see what Samuel is going to say. This man appointed two kings, the first two kings. And if you look at this, all Samuel got was one verse for his death. He kind of feels like, ah, Samuel died. Okay, let's move on to the next story. But I want to paint this picture for you over here. That when Samuel dies, the stability the political, the spiritual stability of Israel is widely shaken. Because if you know what happens before 1 Samuel 25, it is Saul against David. David running away and Saul chasing after him. This whole king thing, everyone's wondering, what's happening with this king thing? You know what? It's okay. At least Samuel is still here. But now, Samuel is no longer there. And now we are at this part where we see David move and Saul chasing after David. And then the Bible goes on to say, then David rose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. Someone say Paran. And that, or Paran if you like, and there was a man in Maon whose business was in Carmel. The man was very rich. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. He was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Let's pray before we continue. Jesus, I thank you for your word. God, I pray that when we hear a man's voice, will we not be convicted by eloquent words or simple words? But Holy Spirit, we open up our hearts to you. We invite your word to transform our hearts, to transform our minds. That God, will we be after your own heart today, God. And God, will your heart be revealed to us this evening. We love you in Jesus' name, I pray. Everyone say, amen. Awesome. Now there's two, two places. I can tell you, let me spoil it for you. Before this, Saul was chasing after David. He was running after David. And we know in, in, in um, last week, Pastor Lini talked about how um, David could have killed Saul, but he did not. He restrained himself from killing Saul. But in this story, in 1 Samuel 25, Saul is no longer around. You see, so I told you, it's kind of like a, let's take a break from Saul, let's tell you another story, and then let's continue the Saul. So I feel like this. But it's very interesting, because if you read and you see what Maon and what Carmel, Carmel is, is over here. Saul has disappeared from the story, but in Maon is where Saul almost captured David. So when David goes to Maon, he will go like, this spot is so familiar. It's where I almost got caught. <laughs> and in Carmel is where Saul has set up a monument for himself. So you can imagine David, right? He's going to Maon and, he's going to Car- and, and um, Nabal is going to Carmel and then you can see this monument of Saul. I mean, I don't know if he actually saw it, but I would imagine Saul being the prideful man he was would have built quite a big monument for himself. And David was walking, Saul was no longer in the picture for now, but the spirit of Saul was very, very evident, was still very, very 
key in all of this. So David came to Nabal, right? And he said, I'm going to tell you a story. David came to Nabal and he said, you know, he told Nabal, I want a place to eat tonight. And I also want some resource. And see, the Bible describes Nabal as this kind of guy. I love it. His name in Hebrew is just foolish. It's just foolish. <laughs> no need to hide. His name is just foolish. And the Bible talks about how a fool is. And it's very evident to who Nabal actually is as a man. See, the Bible says in Psalm 14, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. Their deeds are vile. There is no one who does good. And in Isaiah 32, I love this one, for fools speak folly. Their hearts are bent on evil. They practice ungodliness and spread error concerning the Lord. They, the hungry, they leave empty. And from the thirsty, they withhold water. Now you see, David asked, hey, can I have a place for tonight? Some food? He's not asking out of nowhere, you know. See, David actually was, he helped Nabal. Nabal had a bunch of sheep, if the Bible says. And what David did was, his men, his 600 men, right? What they could have done is they could have killed all the sheep, taken all the sheep, killed Nabal and go, haha, I got all your resource. But what David did is he restrained from killing um, Nabal. He restrained from stealing sheep or resource. He didn't just restrain, but he protected. And David was just, you know, he was just kind of like, hey, you know, when you, when you help someone, you say, hey, I, I drive you here, right? You pay for my petrol, I can't, right? And Nabal was just like, the Bible says he's a fool. Why is he a fool? I tell you why. Not I tell you why. The Bible says this. And so David was asking Nabal, right? And Nabal responds. And Nabal answered David's servant, who is David? Someone say, who is David? Who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants these days who are breaking away from their masters. Shall I take my bread, my water, my meat that I've killed for my shearers and give it to men who come from I don't know where. Super Malaysian, this guy. Have you heard of a guy like that before? Hey, David helped Nabal. And David says, hey, help me out. You know, feed my men. We've helped you. But Nabal goes, who is this David? Who does he think he is? You want to take my food? You want to take my water? You want to take my sheep? You want to take my resource? You want to take my, my, my money? You want to take my time? You want to take all of this that's mine? Some of you are probably thinking about somebody that's like that right now. Someone that always goes, you want my thing? You think you help me, you're very great, uh, David. Son of Jesse. Don't you know, everyone's running away. So he knew. He knew who David was, but he paid no respect to David. Everyone knew David was the anointed king. He knew that David was the runaway servant. He knew who David was, but all he could focus on was my water, my meat, my bread. My, my, my. And then when I'm reading this story, right, you go, oh, you, you chamla on Abel, you have no idea what's coming after you. David has 600 men. And then you read in the Bible, right, you go, yeah, 
what, what you're hoping for is David to now be so angry to go and kill Nabal and go, and then Pastor Chu says, be a David, don't be a Saul. And then you go, I'm going to be a David right now. Anyone that doesn't give me back anything, I'm going to slaughter you. And what happens over here is exactly that. David says, every man strap on his sword. And every man, and every man of that, every man of them strapped on his sword. David also um, strapped on his sword, and about 400 men went up after David, while 200 men remained with the baggage. And then we go, Oh, yeah, David, go and kill this fella. Just go after him. He is the foolish man. And then we paint Nabal the bad guy, but what the narrative is trying to do over here is he's trying to make us think. Right now, who is the fool? Nabal, even though his name is fool? Or is it David? See, we all have a Nabal in our lives. We all have a selfish friend, a selfish relative. Chinese New Year, right? I know you have met all your selfish relatives. You all go, ha ha, yo, happy New Year. But inside your heart, you go, oh yeah, this fellow, I'm never going to speak to you after Chinese New Year ever again. We all have that selfish person. But we never think ourselves to be selfish, of course. And this is what David goes through now. You can see the story building up. What is David going to do to Nabal? And when I read this story, I kind of feel like a little bit uneasy. You see, in the past few chapters where we are introduced to David, we are introduced to not an angry man, not a guy that goes, oh, I'll kill you, I'll kill you. We're introduced to a, a man that, that says, don't touch the Lord's anointed. So when I was kind of studying this passage of scripture, I, brought, I, I noticed a few things that had David out of character. See, in 1 Samuel 16 to 24, we're introduced to David. That's when he popped up in the story. And in 1 Samuel 25, I start to realize, or the Bible starts to share with us some, something about David that it seems a little bit off. First of all, he looked in 1 Samuel 17 when he was fighting Goliath. What did he, what did he do? When Goliath was insulting God, when Goliath was insulting um, Israel, he didn't look to the sword. He was like, well, I, I don't know how to use a sword. But suddenly, over here, he goes, take your sword, take your sword, take your sword. I got my sword. You got your sword or not? Let's go. What, 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 what happened over here? You, you can see sword appears three times. Strap on your sword. Take on your sword. I got my sword. But in 1 Samuel 17, the Bible says, and, all this, uh, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hand. What happened to David? He was a man that only knew how to use a sling because he was a shepherd boy. And now only less than 10 chapters later, sword, sword, sword. Let's kill him. The next thing I realized is, you know, David was so mature. That's why Pastor Lini had a sermon to preach last week. <laughs> she... David, when Saul pursued him, he goes, no, don't kill. We got this. Because the Lord's anointed. Don't lie, don't lie, please lie, don't lie. 
Then he told his man, don't, 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 don't touch Saul. Far be it from me that I touch the Lord's anointed. When Saul chased after him, when Saul, you know, this, this part always blows my mind, how he fling a, a javelin at him. I'm like, how can you forgive someone like that? How can you? But over here, from the mature man we saw in the past few chapters, over here we suddenly see a man that took offense. The man just said, I don't want to give you. I don't think I should give you. Don't think my things are. Okay, well, I don't think his things, but David was so offended. What happened to David? What happened? The next thing I realized over here is David restrained from killing Saul and over here, he had no trouble with bloodshed. He had no trouble killing. He had no trouble drawing the sword. The last thing I realized is in Toleo, sorry, in 1 Samuel 16, 24, he repaid good for evil. <laughs> yeah, the valley, I don't know this. <laughs> he repaid good for evil, but over here, he is repaying evil for evil. When Saul was like, Saul said this to him. He said to David, you are more righteous than I, for you have repaid me good, whereas I have repaid you for evil. But over here, this evil man is coming after me. I'm going to show you what evil is. Suddenly, the good man, David, we also want to become like our hero. Starts looking like Saul himself. He starts looking like, hey, I don't know about you, but when I'm like, what's happening? What happened to David? See, this episode really puts David to the test. Before David faced Goliath, what did he say? I fought the sheep. Sheep, he didn't fight the sheep. Like, he protected the sheep. Like. I fought the lion. <laughs> I fought the lion. I fought the bear. I protect the sheep. I didn't fight them. And now I'm going to kill you. See, before David fought Goliath, he had to be a shepherd boy. And I firmly believe that in this character arc of David, before he needed to take the throne, he needed to go through another test. He's so clever to not touch God's anointed, but what about this? Yeah, he was rich, but in the grand scheme of things, insignificant. He was just a pawn in this story. Let me ask you, church, we're all very clever with titles, we're all very clever with treating datuks, tansris, pastors, bishops very kindly. Don't touch the Lord's anointed. Okay. But what about the people that cannot give you anything back? What about the people that seem disposable? What about the people that offend you? And then we realize over here that David is going through this. And this story is now painting for us a preparation of the maturity of Israel's king. But I'm still thinking, what is going on? 
You see, David in this story has decided in his heart and in his mind, let's kill Nabal. He has crossed the line. My friends, before you sin with your hands, you sin in your heart. Before David sinned with Bathsheba, he didn't sleep with her yet. Before he slept with her, he slept with her in, her heart, in his heart. The Bible says that all evil, Jesus says this in Mark 7, I think, that all evil, all sexual immorality, all malice, all slander begins from the heart. And whenever we talk about David, it's always about the heart. Because God looks not at the outer appearance, but he looks at the heart. I want to ask you now, how's your heart? Have you decided in your heart that you're going to do something bad? Have you decided in your heart that you're never going to forgive somebody? Have you decided in your heart that you're going to cheat on your spouse? Have you already decided? Because nobody accidentally cheats on somebody. Nobody accidentally unforgives somebody. Nobody accidentally holds a grudge. We decide in our hearts. And then I'm thinking, David, what happened, David? The Bible doesn't explicitly say, but you know what? Maybe it was because David really, right? He really only know how to honor kings on. Servants, you don't know how. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe it was because he was under so much pressure from Saul. He just couldn't handle the pressure anymore. I can't lie. I just need to release this somewhere. Does that sound familiar? I just need to release. I can't handle the pressure. I just need a release. Maybe it's because he was under so much pressure. Maybe it's also because he knew he was going to be king and he could get away with this. Maybe lah. But what I'm very sure of is this. David was so adamant on killing Nabal. One thing I'm very sure of uh, is because he did not inquire of God. Every battle David goes into, every person he kills, every victory he's won, is either Saul tell him, go. David goes, yeah, I'm going. Is either Saul says, or it's either God says, go. And then David says, I will go. But in this one time, David doesn't say, God, uh, can I kill this guy? Because if he actually did, what's God going to say? No. And I want to tell you something. The prayer that you have been praying for, maybe God has already answered. And his answer is no. Because over here, David did not want to go to God because God would have said no. So he was like, I better not approach God. If I, if I go to God, he will say no. I will just go and do it myself. I will just go and take things into my own hands. And we try, and David was on his way going to kill Nabal. And then the story takes a turn. 
we're now introduced, we have been introduced, but now this character appears in the form of Abigail. The woman, the Bible describes her like this. The woman was discerning and beautiful. Wow, if the Bible ever describes me, and that was Sean Quack, discerning and beautiful. I would be very happy in my life. <laughs> discerning and beautiful. I want to be discerning and beautiful. But this was Abigail. No intro, not much of an intro. When, when the Bible intro Nabal, it was like he had many sheep. He was very rich. But Nabal, discerning and beautiful. Hey, turn to the person next to you and go, hey, you're so discerning and beautiful. <laughs> Husbands, I hope you did that to your wives. If not. And now Abigail knows of David's plan. And she comes to David and she says, please forgive your servant's presumption. The Lord your God will certainly make a lasting dynasty Dynasty for my Lord, because you have, sorry, because you fight the Lord's battles and no wrongdoing will be found in you as long as you live. Even though someone is pursuing you to take your life, the life of my Lord will be bound securely in the bundle of the living by the Lord your God. But the lives of your enemies, he will hurl away as from the pocket of a sling. When the Lord has fulfilled for my Lord every good thing he promised concerning him and has appointed him ruler over Israel, my Lord will not have on his conscience the staggering burden of needless bloodshed or of having avenged himself. And when the Lord your God has brought my Lord success, remember your servant. Now we have Abigail, discerning and beautiful, or in other versions or in other way people describe Abigail, Abigail the wise. Abigail was Nabal's husband and she hears of this. Good that you are still paying attention. Hey! Anyway, Abigail was Nabal's wife and she hears of this, right? Because the servants of David um, went to her and now Abigail sees this whole thing that sounds very very chim, right? But let me just break it down to you for a, a little bit. Abigail, go, Abigail goes to David and says, don't have blood guilt on your hands. Hey, remember how you returned good for evil, David? Like how you did with Saul? Do it again. She reminds him, I, I know you're running away. I know it's tough. As Abigail speaks, I believe the Holy Spirit was speaking to David. Hey, David, hey, church, I know it's tough. Because the Bible says that God has, that Jesus has gone through every temptation. And he's saying now to all of you who are at a crossroads of your life, or you're at a place where you seem to be taking out your sword and wanting to give in to whatever the devil has over your life. But here's what the Holy Spirit says. I know it's tough. I know it's hard. I know Saul's pursuing you. I know, I, I, and, and I know you've been repaying good for evil. You see, we think like David, repaying good for evil is like, wow, oh, so good, so, so clever, so easy. I, I don't think so. But here's the Holy Spirit saying to you and I, and as I was preparing this, I just heard the Holy Spirit say to me, hey, Sean, I know it's tough. 
I know things might not seem the way you want it to be, but don't draw your sword to sin. Don't draw your sword to kill Nabal, whatever that might mean in your life and my life. Don't draw your sword to sin. And David realizes this and he says, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet me. Blessed be your discretion and blessed be you who have kept me this day from blood guilt and from working salvation with my own hand. Hey, can I say something, church, from my heart and I believe from the heart of God? I heard this from John Maxwell, quoting him, it's not from me, it's not from my heart. But he says, we're all one step away from stupid. We're all one step away from falling. We're all one step away from disobeying God. We're all one phone call. We're all one click on the internet. We're all one um, um, conversation. We're all one business deal. We're all one driving test. We're all one bribery away from stupid, from falling away from God. And wherever you're at, even King David himself was prone to sin. Even David himself could fall. Even David, a man after God's own heart, could say in his heart, I'm gonna kill, I'm gonna kill Nabal. I'm so offended. I'm so under pressure. I had enough of this. I'm not gonna go, I'm not gonna go to God. I'm going, in fact, I'm gonna run away from God. I can't stand this anymore. I'm going after my target. I'm going to draw my sword. I'm so done with this. But thanks be to God that he sent Abigail. The band can come. We got a lot of time for ministry. Ha <laughs> ha. The Holy Spirit is saying to you now, church, God hears, God knows. God knows your frustrations, God knows your pains, God knows the, the, the tangled family issue you're in. God knows all of this, right? But he's saying, sheath your sword. Don't draw it out. See, we are all prone to sin. We're all prone to giving in and giving up. That's why I want to take a little bit of time to talk to you about this thing called accountability. Oh, it's such a... When I hear the word accountability, I get... Ugh. Because accountability is number one, uncomfortable. It's so uncomfortable to talk about, hey, how's your Bible reading plan? Huh? Oh, 
I'm on Leviticus now, bro. I'm trying. <laughs> hey, have you been faithful to your wife? So uncomfortable. Hey, have you, are you, have you been honest in your business? So uncomfortable. Accountability is also very, very intrusive. Honestly, we as pastors, we, we, we honestly really care for you and we don't really want to, uh, what's the word in, uh, we don't want to intrude. We just don't want to, we don't want to interfere in your lives, honestly. Yeah, interfere is a good word. We don't want to interfere. If you can do it, okay, go, go. But we all need this. We all need the how you're treating your, your wife. We all need the how you're treating your kids. We all need the how, ha, have you been cheating? We all need the, have you been honest? We all need the, have you been, been, um, have you been watching porn online? We all need that. And we have that over here. And thanks be to God that David had that in Abigail over here. Because the Bible says this in Galatians 6, right? Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person Gently, keyword gently, but watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Don't think you are something. I stand here with this mic behind this holy pulpit thinking I'm a nobody. I only stand here by the grace of God. I only stand here by the mercy of God. And how are you walking? Are you walking in your mighty accolades? I've got a sword, I've got 600 men. See, David was falling into that. He was falling into the pride which he actually eventually falls into all the way at the end of his life when he starts counting his, his, um, his army, right? But I strongly believe that if David killed Nabal, this story will be as bad as when he slept with Bathsheba. And it will taint his life. But there will come a point of time and we can see clearly in 2 Samuel where David had no Abigail to stop him because he made up in his mind and in his heart that that's the thing I wanna do, that's the thing I'm gonna do. Church, what's on your heart? Can you be accountable to someone? And then you might go, but Sean, you don't have a navel in your life. Hey, let me tell you about a navel in, 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 in life. They're so selfish, you know. You, you, you just see their face also, you feel like, wow, your year is gone. You, you just sit in the you just sit on the same thing you don't know who my brother is you sit on the same table uh, you already like wow the food automatically not nice already you have no idea I don't I have no idea David had a navel David was angry offended our hero suddenly going crazy but I want to end with this when you walk in the ways of God 
you will flow in the, into the will of God. You see, if David killed Nabal, I have no idea how his story would have been. If David decided to, I don't know, if Abigail didn't turn up, I have no idea how this story would have ended. But what I do know is at the end of this story, Abigail says, no, don't kill my husband. And David says, you know what? I won't kill your husband. Thanks be to God because he sent you over to my life. And how the story ends is this, right? Is that David restrains his sheep, his sword. He says, okay. And then in the next few days, God avenges him. And God doesn't just avenge him by killing Nabal, but God also rewards David by giving him Abigail. See church, when you walk in the way of God, you will flow into the will of God. If you're you're wondering, what am I to do about this? God, please, please, please. Hey, just obey. The Bible says to obey is better than sacrifice. And I'll end with this. The Bible says this, right? What's our theme for the year? One, two, three. One more time. One, two, three. Not very strong. One more time. One, two, three. Strong church, strong generations. I love how we pick David and Solomon to talk about when the year we talk about strong church, strong generations. When you think about strong in the Bible, you think Gideon or you think uh, uh, Daniel. Wow, what a strong man. But we talk about David because David's strength in this chapter was this. The Bible says God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of self-control. Strong church, can you have a little bit of self-control? David had decided in his heart. I don't think David's heart was like, okay, Nabal, I forgive you. I don't think he did that. Honestly, think about it. I don't think David went, you know what, I forgive Nabal. I forgive him. I think the strength of David over here was his self-control. He says, okay, no blood kill. Honor God. And I want to ask you today, church, Have you decided in your heart to do something that is not honoring to God? You might be offended. You might be in a circumstance that's unfair, but sheath your sword. Don't draw it. The strongest thing you can do right now is to have self-control. Don't draw your sword. Let's all close our eyes in this place. Let's be enter a bit of time of ministry. Thank you, Jesus. God, you're so good to us. Holy Spirit, I pray right now 
you begin to do a work in every heart. Jesus, you know the pain, you know the pain points, you know every point, every frustration we go through right now. You know every unforgiveness we have in our heart. But God, you say in your word that the word of God is sharper than any double-edged sword. So God, we open up our hearts to you right now for you to pierce in through. God, we open up our hearts to you, open up our minds to you, God. Let's just take about 30 more seconds to allow the Word of God to rest in our hearts.